So all right, Matt. How's it gone, man? I know, bad mate. Feels like it's been ages since we sat down. I know, man. It actually was actually. It's been a while anyway. I think we recorded what six or seven in December. So yeah, I think it's been a bit of a double-edged sword for me because even though we we built them up because we knew January would be a tough time, it's ended up spewing into February. And yeah, you're out of practice almost. Aye. But um, how how's the the new year been treating you? Uh, pretty good. Um, I've just been sort of working away, really. I mean, no much choice after Santa empties your pockets in December, you know. <laughs> uh, the life of parenthood is, is joyous in that respect. Um, so I've just been working away, you know, no really up to much. Bit of football, caught up with a few mates when I could. But other than that, I think um, in relation to this, I've been kind of filling the gap with <clears throat> the... Sort of recently launched Rebel City blog. Mm. Um, obviously posted a wee kind of hello and intro um, a few weeks ago just to kind of get things moving. Um, subsequently posted in um, last week, which uh, an article about outrage culture that became the basis for last week's Rebel City short. Mm-hmm. Um, got a few ideas bubbling out in that area just to try and essentially, uh, you know, shit post. It's just nonsense that I'm thinking and try to put down on paper just for the sake of it really. Um, so <clears> get see how that up. goes. I actually thought, I mean, obviously I had absolutely no input <clears throat> on uh, the shot. Um, I actually thought it was hilarious. Oh, well, thanks very much. Um, I, I, I'm, I want to kind of approach things with like a, a fairly reasonable level of sarcasm. Right. Because that's, that's kind of my default language most days anyway. Um, and yeah, I mean, in terms of what we were talking about, it's one of these things now that's everywhere. Everybody's outraged by everything all the time, and I'm a wee bit sick of it. So I'm like, I think the point I was trying to make was that it's all right to, you know, sometimes not have an opinion on something. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Like just because you've got a platform to express yourself doesn't necessarily mean you need to get involved every single time. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah, we'll see. I mean, in, in the next sort of couple of weeks, um, I've been kind of. Through January, I've been true crime daft, so I've watched obviously the various, you know, Ted Bundy tapes, and mm-hmm. um, I went back and watched a few of the like, Nick Broomfield documentaries on uh, Eileen Warnos, and subsequently watched the Shirley Theron monster movie about her and her life and her sort of crimes and stuff like that, and it's kind of got my brain ticking now, especially in relation to um, our last guest there, or second last guest, Michael Byrne, and his sort of experience with trauma, because... You look at the, the the Bundy stuff and like he was a nutter. He was like mm-hmm. crazy, charismatic but crazy. Um, but I think the looking at the Nick Broomfield documentaries in relation to Eileen Warnos, I think <clears throat> she's a bit hard done by being called a serial killer. I think her crimes were you know exaggerated for media and for you know that in twenty four hour news cycle etc. But like I think she could quite easily be framed in you know, terms of trauma, like, right. she was trapped inside a lifetime of abuse, a lifetime of prostitution, she'd been raped a number of times, and enough was enough, you know what I mean, like, and the, the, you know, I think it's pretty clear that she clearly did kill the first guy, and, you know, all the seven in, like, self-defence, and then get trapped in that cycle, you know what I mean, like, yeah. so it's weird when we've talked about trauma recently, and how we're starting to understand it in the newer age, how yeah. different principles could maybe have been applied in the past to things like that, so. I'm not actually that up with that mm-hmm. sort of case i've never seen monster it's been i've, I've seen it obviously yeah like kicking about and seen that, that i know it exists but yeah. i i don't really know that much about 
She uh, portrays her as quite like a, as a sort of human, you know, a kind of flawed human person. And I think it was stuck in my mind because, um, you know, obviously they won the Oscar associated it, and that's kind of what brought it to my attention years ago. Um, the documentaries popped up on one of the video platforms recently, and I was just in that sort of true crime mood, and it kind of caught my attention. It just had a difference in it. So in, in terms of the blog, it's something that's kind of spinning about in my head just now, just like notions of normality, like... Were they normal? Were they victims? You know, these types of mm-hmm. things. What questions can we ask? Would we learn that fit? So that's sort of percolating amongst a few other things. Mm-hmm. Um, the Ted Bundy stuff, I was watching that uh, with Sean. Um, and obviously we we have ongoing conversations about mental health and about yep. these different bits and pieces. And I'm of the opinion that people are... Nobody's born like a bad person. Okay. That it's kind of something happens somewhere along the line either and it can it doesn't even need necessarily need to be uh, blatantly traumatic either they're introduced to violence at an early age mm-hmm. or even like in the case of like fred west uh, and people like him even just being encouraged to kill animals yeah um at like a really young age like i mean i think that the thing i watched on him was is that he grew up on a sort of farm, but mm-hmm. he was encouraged to kill rabbits and foxes for like five. Yeah. And then they get that sort of taste for the... Well, it's sort of, it's almost like, especially if that's the environment, it's almost like you need to kill them because it, it's better for the environment. But then it's sort of de... When it's humanised, but it sort of desensitises yeah. the person and it almost gives them an excuse to go, well, sometimes you need to kill things. Yeah. And there's a there's a, a gratification in it as well that, oh, you know, you're doing definitely. something, you know, potentially useful for that, that scenario. Mm-hmm. Um, I, well, I mean, <clears throat> this is kind of what sparked my thinking on it, was that when you look at the, the triggers that tend to lead to this type of behaviour, as in, you know, petty theft, arson, mutilation, you know, sexual assault, Pete and Tom, and so on and so forth, like... I don't know how much of that the, the Bundy tape showed us that Ted Bundy went through. Um, I don't well, feel to get back to what I was going to say was is that when we were sitting watching it, she said to me because I just remembered why I was why I was bringing it up there. She said to me, "Well, here you go. Here's a guy that's had nothing, mm. and then it, they they drop in a tiny wee thing, mm-hmm. but it says his granddad was like hyper violent, yeah, and that he get put with his grandparents mm-hmm. and I just turned around and looked and went, well, yeah. what's happened there? They don't really go into it. Definitely. That isn't it to make an excuse for anybody that's mm-hmm. ever killed them to go, well, let's just go and find the trauma and yeah. then make it. That's why, that's why. But like you were saying earlier, we're starting to get to a place where we're starting to understand. Yep. Um, I listened to a podcast with a guy um, and he was like Canada's leading expert on heroin abuse. Okay. Um, and it had led him to look at the sort of judicial system in North America, yep. which obviously is going to be hugely interesting, especially in America, but it, it was prevalent in Canada. And he had said in this podcast that basically prisons are like mental institutions. Mm-hmm. Like every single person that is that he's met that's in a prison has either been sexually, emotionally, or physically abused in their right. upbringing. So it's almost like we've turned... Because, I mean, where are the mental hospitals? Aye. Where are they? Like, yeah. they don't really exist anymore. It's almost like we've turned them into prisons yeah. in a way that, so that you don't need to take care of them. You mm-hmm. can just throw it, even though it costs us a lot of money. But yeah. In North America, it doesn't cost them a Absolutely. fucking penny. But this guy was basically just saying that all, pretty much all addictions and a lot of sort of crime is 
based on traumas, based mm-hmm. on poverty. Definitely. And in terms of the like the war loss, this is the one where I was I was kind of going with that was that there was no obvious suggestion. You know, there was a, I mentioned Bundy having been with grandparents, as you say, but there was no like historical thing that you know really obviously drove him, and he went on to commit horrible, horrible crimes. Mm. With Warnos, like she more to me now after having spoken with Michael as representative of somebody who has had successive traumas over a long period of time, has had substance abuse, alcohol abuse, all these other things in the play, and like hard crimes were an expression or a culmination of all of those. You know, sort of circumstances kind of similar to Michael CPTSD. Mm-hmm. Um, but not to say that she didn't commit crimes, she absolutely did. And, you know, but when you go about the mental health side of things, like, in the end, like, she was begging for the state to kill her. Like, she didn't want to be here anymore. And, like, the electric chair or uh, Sparky, as they were referring to it, was almost a kind of like relief to her. So she went through, like, medical examinations, mental examinations, and they passed her fit to be executed which was a weird thing to me like if somebody's got seven life sentences we're going to say it's all right to kill them and the guy Broomfield goes through a really graphic walk through of like the final stages of being executed and explaining it along the way and it's like it's it's a really fucking unpleasant experience mm. and you can't imagine anybody ever wanting to be there yet she's gone no kill me kill me kill me mm. and they're like right cool but they evaluated it and you're like so at what point is it, oh, we're going to kill this murderer, but no, she's crazy. Like, what, you know what I mean? Where's the line there? And she obviously was not in her right mind, but yet, the, the, the you know, the drive to put her in the chair was massive. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? Like, and it's, I don't know. Do you think just, I, I mean, I'm totally against capital punishment. Yeah. 100% against it. Um, but do you think there comes a point where somebody's so damaged that, if, especially if, somebody that's done that level of sort of brutal crime and they're, they're mm-hmm. asking to be killed, is there, is there something that, or, or, or is it alright to just be like, do you know what, let's just, because if, if, the, if they're traumatised and they're suffering almost. I think it makes it easier for the people who have failed her in their life. There was a lot of interviews in this particular instance where schoolmates, classmates, neighbours and various other people who have you know, met her and claim to know her through her life and stuff like that and it's quite weird to see some of them when they're up on the stand in court and film and stuff like that really deal with the line of questioning that comes at them that is implying you contributed to this like there was a, a high school boyfriend that um you know used to take her in the back of sheds with his mates and run lineups on her and then out in the schoolyard be like get Fuck to off. Club and treat mm. her like dirt and stuff like that and his line of questioning, you could see him actually being like, like, I know that yeah. I contributed to okay. this, like, so and I've had to live with that. And I think the death penalty maybe makes life easier for the guys, but doesn't bring anybody back, and mm. it doesn't allow somebody like a war nurse who is as as a victim in a, a certain sense, mm-hmm. maybe come to terms with things in a more healthy manner. You yeah, know? And, or even for us to to learn. Aye, to I think that that. This is a conversation that I had backwards and forwards with a couple of people over the last couple of days with this uh, Syrian situation, yeah. with the, the ISIS bride. Um, and I did a wee bit of reading into what had actually happened and not just reading like whatever, like, the Guardian. I, I read yeah. a few things and it, it looks to me like 
this girl has been groomed, has been sold, yep. or not sold, because there may be no money, but she's been arranged to go here and marry mm-hmm. um, an ISIS soldier. And when you look at the 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 propaganda that's out there for pe- for young people, especially young people that are involved in Islam, it's almost like they're saying, "Come to this haven, like the Islamic State. Yeah. We will will take care of you. Everything's here, and blah blah blah." And then this girl's get pregnant. She wants to come home, and it, the the reaction to it online was almost like lacked any kind of compassion for it. I mean, she was 15 when yeah, she went there. Absolutely. She's fucking 15. The amount of people that are out there going, she needs to learn from mistakes. She's made her bed. Ha, ha, ha. She's made her bed. And it's like, they, these people are getting gang raped. Like, this isn't and like, that's grim. This isn't like fucking, uh, and that's a child that made that decision Aye. and probably wasn't even made for, it was probably made for her. Aye, they're not going out there for the lifestyle, you know, the housewives of ISIS, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? Like, they're not sitting there with their feet up, you know what I mean? Like, they're heavily pregnant and rape, victims of sexual assault in the middle of a war zone. Mm-hmm. Like, so, I there has to be a degree of separation in terms of how we talk about these things, like, there is a person involved and look, there's a baby that's not even born. You know what yeah. I mean? what, what, what is that? Child I mean, ever if that's a boy to anybody. And that and in twenty years, that boy <clears throat> blows something up, then yeah. where's the the people that will be sitting there going, She's made her bed, she needs to learn a lesson. Aye. Could be a fucking harsh lesson for more than just her. What the, happens if we, what people? happens if having her back in the UK allows authorities here to actually provide them with a quality of life that takes them out of that situation you mm-hmm. know what I mean? what? well to my point to the 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 couple of people that i were dealing with and to be fair to them none of them were, were that um aggressive i wasn't mm-hmm. in fucking katie hopkins right post about it it was predominantly people from glasgow it was a couple of celtic supporters and right. i thought th- these will be a couple of people that i can engage with on this and actually go Mainly to just sort of bounce my ideas and go, am I really wrong here? Because my opinion is is that if we get even young men that have been radicalised, have lived here, which, let's be honest, it, we, we live in probably the most comfortable environment that exists on the planet. I mean, we're in Scotland and even yeah. though there's poverty and there's, there's other issues, in comparison to the rest of the planet, we are pretty fucking comfortable. Yeah. Right? Um, you can go to Tesco. Aye. I mean, I could go and get water. Right? Well, you can for the next couple of weeks at least. <laughs> <laughs> probably, probably talk about that a little bit. Um, if somebody's born in this country and ends up at 15 thinking, do you know what? I'm going to go to a war zone. I'm going to marry somebody that is radical, also been radicalised and I'm going to go and live this life. I think that we should be bringing them back and psychoanalyzing the fuck mm. right out of them to understand how what con, what was the contributing factors that ended up with you being radicalized? Yeah. Because see until we actually understand it, we'll never stop it. The notion of war um, is something that has always been like actively romanticized in the minds of young men. I mean, even back through World War One and Two, you know what I mean, like, and probably beyond that again. What like, you know, young men are needed for war, so you know whether it be ISIS and Twitter, you know, propaganda, or whether it be, you know, the poster of, you know, your nation needs you, mm. you know, it's it's all the same thing. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? It's that they need young bodies to mangle, and that's the only way you can get them. You know what I mean? Mm. Like, I don't think how, I mean, look at the, the British Army thing recently, where it was, you know, advertising don't, don't for snowflakes snowflake and all uh, that kind of bullshit. I mean, that's, how is that any different to 
what we're seeing elsewhere. You know what I mean? Like that's the same tactics for the same reason. Mm. You know what I mean? Like so, I think it's. <clears throat> I think we're probably better off thinking why do we need wars and why do we need to send young men out to fight for what? Mm. You know what I mean? And that. <sighs> In that case, I would think that we've probably the interest in finding out <clears throat> why these people have been radicalised because yeah. then it's part of the system, isn't it? it's part of the cycle of mm -hmm. destruction that we currently fucking live in. And we, we all know how much we need war. <laughs> um, more, than, more than we need pretty much anything else on the fucking planet. Yeah, but, um, I, I, I just feel like that as a society that we should be taking these people back in. And we should be trying to. It might not always be possible. Especially when they ask. Yep. Especially when they're asking for help. I mean, there's a few people out there that were saying, she's saying that she, that she regrets nothing. And it's like, right, but, like, jail her then. Do you know what I mean? Bring, yeah, her, bring her, her back. Crime, put, her in, put her in jail. And then people would be like, well, that costs the taxpayer money. And it's like, fuck off. Got enough money to fucking Aye. do whatever the fuck we want. If, no, totally. Get your fucking head out of your arse. But I feel like we lack this compassion. I think that we lack this compassion when people commit crime. We lack this compassion when people um, are mentally ill. And if yeah. somebody can be radicalised like that for any religion, if whether it be you're a radicalised Christian, which they fucking exist, Absolutely. to be honest. And if you're a radicalised Jew or you're a radicalised Muslim, you're mentally ill to me. To yeah. me, there's, a, there's an element of mental illness that's involved there. If you actually think mm -hmm. that by strapping a fucking bomb to your back and that you'll go to heaven and have yeah. 50 virgins, I, I think that there's, there's cognitive discourse in there, especially Definitely. if you grow up in the fucking UK where mm. you can clearly see that, do you know what I mean? Aye, everything's here for you. You know, exactly. for you to actually make a positive contribution to society, if you so choose. Um, I don't know. I think as well, you know, is this lack of compassion. Like, you know, the marginalisation of a lot of these people, you look at the Goddards and, you know, yellow vest nutters that are running about, you know, trying to claim what's going on in France for their own sort of purposes. Um, you know, it's, it's probably pretty easy to see. And you talk about a Katie Hopkins who's given a nationwide platform by multiple, you know, media organisations over the course of your pretty frivolous career. Um, you know, why why, why would these guys not feel marginalised when everywhere they go and everywhere they see there is somebody telling them that, you know, go back to a country you weren't even born in? You know what I mean? Like it's We need to address that. And it comes from that compassion that you're talking about. Like it's understanding, like, you know, empathy, these types of things. Like, we lack them for other people on a massive scale. You know what I mean? Like, but we're told not to care. We're told it's all about us. Concentrate on you. Get you first and then worry about, you know, whatever comes next after that. And I don't know. That probably needs to change a certain, to a certain degree. You know what I mean? Like, mm -hmm. um, I don't know where you start, though. I think in terms of where we're going as a country, you know, as I say, Brexit and whatnot in the next couple of weeks, like, the movement has been in the other direction for me in recent years, uh, very much so where, you know, until such times as maybe an independent Scotland or maybe Brexit, you know, if we're ever lucky enough to have it fall apart at the seams, you know, we can maybe change things. But the direction the country's on the new, I can only see that marginalisation of these others, you know, becoming worse. Mm -hmm. So I can, mm -hmm. which is a pretty sad thought. Mm, definitely. How do you feel about the, the I mean... The original yellow vests, like the French version, 
which seems to have started with like a sort of student uprising. Yeah. It's almost like the, they're saying that we're going to have the European version of the Arab Spring happening. Yeah. Um, it will happen here. The, 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 the defining moment will be Brexit and then it will be like a domino effect like Frexit and then I don't know what the Italian version is but yeah. they're the two countries that are cited they're being really really close the Italian to... economy is about to absolutely tank mm -hmm. and it's, it's obviously been struggling uh, with political uncertainty and you know a lot of coalition weak coalition governments in Italy and stuff like that um, so yeah they look as if they're in danger of some almost sort of Greek style crisis potentially mm -hmm. um, France in the, in the yellow vest I'm going to be honest with you at the time, it kind of passed me by because over my lifetime, I'm used to seeing French people go out and set fire to shit in the streets for mm -hmm. no very much, pretty regularly. So at the time, I kind of went, there's the French at it again, well played to them, you know what I mean? Like, mm -hmm. And then kind of dusted out it, and it wasn't until I then seen people pop up with yellow vests on like Westminster Bridge and stuff like that, that I was like, right, hold on. There was a wider significance to the yellow vest yeah. that I seen the other week. You know mm -hmm. what I, mean? I think like in this country... I'll I'll be honest, like I was kind of enthused by like the, seeing the French. And was just yeah. like, this is kind of what we fucking need. A modern French revolution. This is what we need. Like we need to get off our arses, get our heads out our fucking phones, and go and tell them how we feel about what's going on. Not necessarily be violent, yeah. But I think that for what I've seen, when you cut through the bullshit, the violence has been forced on them by the police. The police yeah. haven't, and I mean it's army. There are no police. They're fucking dude. Well, I mean, we flak jacket. We can post it to the feed later on. Um, I seen a picture tweeted out the other day about the school strike, the students that all went on strike in favour of climate change, mm -hmm. and there was a picture of like a twelve-year-old lassie sat down on the floor in handcuffs hands behind her back and handcuffs and you're like what like what what possible threat was that 12 year old lassie but it was the no it was just it's just the language of protest you know what i mean like is that oh we'll need to pad some numbers here and lift some bodies to justify having so many police officers here mm -hmm. you're like fucking school kids like no how does, how does school kids at any point end up in handcuffs at a fucking environmental march you know what i mean like i've got any idea but um i think there is at least you talk about italy france you know, obviously there was the, the, the Bond villain looking guy in Holland um, with a, you know, silver flat top kind of carry on that was going on, goose something or other. Um, and I think it's about, you know, the kickback against the globalisation. Like the EU and, you know, obviously the reaction here in Brexit has been about, you know, globalisation. Mm -hmm. And I think when you look at the yellow vest in France and stuff like that, that's there's a similar kind of theme there. Where Same with Trump. Yep, because it's an anti-immigration yep. like message. If you take away the wall and the things that he said about Mexicans, he didn't really say a lot. I mean, drain the swamp. Yeah, um, but he, he didn't really say much. He's he's cut through. His his, his message was anti-immigration, yep. anti, anti other, um, whether it be Muslims or Mexicans. Mm -hmm. So I think I you're bang on. It is like a a, a, a a sort of reaction to the mass globalization that we've seen since. 70s isolationism's coming back in a big way i mean can only imagine what's going to happen in brazil in the next few months obviously this guy is potentially very scary but again brazil has got there in recent years because of scandals related to national petroleum corruption and all these other things that we've seen happen everywhere else that have precipitated these movements but it's that you know coziness with the big business and the corruption of the process as a result of it like and I don't know how, again, how they're, they're going to buck that trend. You know what I mean? Like, 
I've seen a, a really great thing for my absolutely new favourite woman in the world, um, the lassie Oscario Cortez. Mm, she's um, brilliant, isn't she? She just, she just does not give a fuck. And like, Look at the way she's portrayed in America, though. It's, oh, it's hilarious. She's it's like so, the she-devil. So uh, she is like... She wants to give people free healthcare. She wants people not to die and people to be able to read. Mm-hmm. Like, what the fuck is that? You know what I mean? So like, strange. So uh, fucking strange. Man. And the best that they can throw at her is, by the way... She used to debut a bit of dancing in a music video when she was at college, and you're like, Trump's cool wife is pretty much a professional prostitute. So <laughs> your first lady, allegedly. <laughs> well, I mean, she's way him for the fucking money. There's no way well, she's fucking shagging him for anything other than fucking the what? Who was it? Was it the Guardian that had to pay her the other week there for similar accusations? Um, I've not got anything for the takes. <laughs> <laughs> I know. Um, aye, it's it's one of these things now where. It, it's popping up everywhere, and I think it is a reaction to that sort of globalisation. Like people feel more small than ever before because so few control so much, and I don't know if protest is even really all that effective anymore. Well, I think I, that's this is part of why um, I don't think that we've took to the streets in a, in a big way. I think it's a couple of things, but. The two main factors for me are the reason why I wouldn't be going on the street with a yellow vest on is because it's been hijacked by the right in this country Definitely. and the fucking idiot right as well. No, uh, I mean, that fucking arsehole that's doing there every week he's fucking... Do you know what he needs? A swift kick to the fucking balls. That's what that guy needs. That See this bullshit? Like, Tommy... This, I can't even remember that guy's Goddard. Right. And then Tommy Robinson. I'll be on the front line after he's took, like, two two lines of Ching. <laughs> like... I would love to see that guy be confronted by even just a one-on-one confrontation with yeah. somebody that's willing to take them on face value and be like, let's go to war then and we'll just have an individual war between me and you because they're all full of shite. That Goddard it's guy, you can see he's a coward. Every time he's shouting at people, he's doing it behind somebody's back with his megaphone. Aye. This is war and we're taking our country back. It's like, the guy, you um, need to get a fucking grip yourself, mate. The guy, uh, Mike Stonesbury, what has that something like something like that i he it, did a good um we thread a couple of weeks ago on how these guys operate in terms of like gofundme operations and stuff like yeah. that mm-hmm. um which was quite interesting did like seven or eight tweets and it was like quite eye-opening some of it um so I, it's definitely maybe something we can retweet on as well just to give people an idea of how much of a facade it is it really is it really is a scam in a lot of respects this type of behavior it's that they're like Trump and like the fella in Brazil and, you know, Holland and so on, the farages of this world, like, they're trying to fleece idiots. You know what I mean? They're trying to line their pockets after stoking other people's stupidity. Mm-hmm. You know, or ignorance maybe is probably a more fair sort of representation of it. And uh, these sort of GoFundMe scams are just, I mean, aye, it's literally like the bloody... Wagner videos where you pay him 20 quid and he shouts your mate's name in a song you know what I mean like it's just much. literally put your money in the tin and I'll say what you want me to say on Facebook live you mm-hmm. know what I mean like it's karaoke Robinson you know I mean? was putting something up about um, the BBC had quoted him I don't even know what it was for I just didn't I, I, I should engage more with it if I'm going to talk about it but he had been quoted something like for us to put on this some sort of fucking event mm-hmm. for the PA system on the stage if you want to do it we'll do it it'll cost you 20 grand and the BBC had like set out I don't know even know what it was for right but it was like a quotation for the BBC to put on some sort of event and also hit them with a price list no they hit him with a price list if you want to do it you can do it but you'll need to pay for it I don't know if it was something 
but it was definitely <laughs> for the BBC and it was like the stage and all of these different okay. bits and pieces. And he was on begging. I mean, basically begging, going like, let's let's get let's make this happen. Now he knows that the people that follow him are going to fund it. Yep. But a platform what the exposure people, or something like that would give him. Exactly. It's priceless. But do the people that fund it realise that this guy's on get a salary for that fucking Breitbart guy in America? Aye. Do they realise the amount of money that he's receiving, that he stays in a mansion, that he's mm-hmm. getting multiple cars, that he doesn't do anything? He Aye. prances about. I mean, videos of him in Israel with his mates taking coke, and you're like, well, not taking coke, but you Aye. can fucking see in his face that he's on right. something. Okay. Like, that he is using vulnerable, he's, he's using vulnerable people to fund a lifestyle so that he can just fly around the world and just do what he wants. Aye. This guy isn't like a crusader. He might actually believe he's in bullshit by this point. Possibly. I mean, I've, I don't, maybe I do doubt it, but I think he probably does believe it. But these people only wanting a better life for you. They want mm. a better life for them. Aye. And that's it. And as soon as the funding stops, if you think that these people will be fucking wrapping themselves in an English flag and going out and actually fighting the fight, Aye. you're fucking, you're an idiot. No, you're actually a fucking idiot. It shows you when you've got your Reese Moggs and stuff like that, you know, shifting everything to Dublin and the amount <laughs> of companies that are now like up in sticks and buggering off, you know what I mean? Where London was the financial capital of Europe, blah, blah, blah. And they're all just like, no, yeah, right, okay, see you later. Mm-hmm. And I mean, it's not about what was ever in anybody's wider interest it never has been in well I don't I can't remember the last time it was in UK politics you know what I mean like um, so Tony Blair felt like it what is it it wasn't it like why would a Jacob Rees-Mogg want Brexit is it well is it that he's just trying to advance his own political career because he's a fucking nobody sitting on the back bench yeah if you go back five ten years whatever yeah. He's a nobody. He's a fucking. He's sitting in the back bench. We and he's he's sniping. He's nice voice that people. I don't know if that makes people feel good about themselves. <laughs> I think it certainly makes a certain still, type of person like a school teacher quite deferential. Right. Like, I mean, like, I don't Talking know why. You like a fucking idiot. But what what have they got to gain for this? What do money. I think there's. A, I think there is dual purpose. I think there's people that like Theresa May, for example, who have seen a gap, an opportunity to progress themselves to where they want to be. And have jumped at it, you know. Obviously, Boris Johnson had his go, Michael Gove had his go and failed. Like, mm-hmm. um, you know, there's been various sort of cabinet reshuffles as people have swung and missed at certain things. Like, um, obviously, hopefully, the next one to go is the Chris Grayling, who is I think he's the transport secretary. Yeah, and he's the dude that, in the event of a no deal Brexit, has arranged for ferries to bring supplies into the UK via a company which owns no ferries. <laughs> uh, so. That's the type of like level of like avarice and sort of stupidity that isn't in, in play, and that's definitely about somebody who's like, oh, I'm going to take charge of this and this. I'll you know, book these preparations and justify my position. But then on the other side, there is guys, as you say, your mogs, who are board of directors here, there, and everywhere, who have you know investments or links to hedge funds. Theresa May's husband, and you know, obviously they are. I think what is it, medical marijuana businesses, so, yeah, know, all these types of things that they're involved in, going to massively be benefited by the fact that after Brexit the people in charge of their companies are also the people who will be writing the rules in the UK Right. so I think there's a dual purpose there, I think some of them are opportunistic I think some of them are you know, money motivated and I think there's probably a core in the middle somewhere that are actually motivated by both you know mm. what I mean, so but again, like all these other things, the alt-rights and you know, you know, the globalisation that we've been talking about and that it's, it's for their benefit, it's not for ours, like you say Right. 
I would love to have somebody come on and just sit down and explain to me that the the sort of what they have against mm. globalization. I mean, other than immigration, mm. which is a bit of a sort of red herring in, in that sense. I think one of the big sticking points has been how money moves around the world as a result of it. You know, obviously in Ireland there was the Apple scandal a couple of years ago where Apple had run something like $12 billion through Ireland and paid almost sort of no corporation tax. Um, there's obviously been other examples recently. But it, it kind of ties in with what we were talking about, uh, Mike, was the hang the Panama Papers. Obviously one of the, the documentaries I watched recently, um, well, we was just getting downtime in January, was the Panama Papers. And that shows like how money just moves around the world on a constant. It makes it completely untraceable because it bounces here, there, and everywhere, and private accounts, you know, and tax havens all around the world, and it becomes, you know, completely invisible. There's something like a hundred trillion dollars they were saying just out of these Panama leaks, hidden away. You know, think about what a hundred trillion dollars could do in the world. You know what I mean? Like, um, but it's it's all gone. And I think th- these are the types of guys that. Are using Brexit, I think, especially when it comes to EU legislation about money laundering and you know sort of tax havens and stuff like mm-hmm. that is due to come in in the next sort of year or so, and and as a result of the, you know the Panama leaks and stuff like that, and again these guys want nothing to do with it, you know what I mean? Because why would they have control of the country, get up to then also pay more tax and be subject to you know, all the laws and regulations that limit where and how much money they can have. Mm. You know what I mean? I think a lot of it's tied to things like the uh, investigation of HSBC um, and sort of like drug cartel money. and that, I mean, that's all happened really in the last sort of eight years. Mm-hmm. And a, and then these types of things come along. With I mean, the HSBC were stinking with dirty money. I mean, like... The, the Pretty much every fucking dirty, dirty pound or dollar on the fucking planet was running through their fucking bank. I mean, they're one of the only glo- truly global banks. Mm. Um, I mean, they had Mexican drug cartel money, they had Hezbollah money, they had yep. uh, money that was linked to Al-Qaeda, money that was linked to ISIS, mm-hmm. all running through their bank and knew about it. Yeah. Like, emails and everything tracing it going, they fucking knew about it. So Aye. I wonder if anything, if that's had, had a lot to do with it. Um, I'm just There's thinking like, contributing factors. That there, there is there is places where the heat has been turned up on these types of organ, you know, organisational practices. Um, the guys that investigated the Panama Papers was one of the most like impressive sort of journalistic organisations that I've seen. Like it was two German lads got the data, went to an international consortium of journalists, and then had. I think it was like 60 journalists in 80 countries working on it for their own safety so that no one person was exposed and in danger. And then obviously coordinated the releases after like sort of two years of writing and researching these to the point, you know, where they were ready to go mm. and simultaneously launching the stories all in the world all at the one time so that you couldn't move for talk about the Panama Papers. So um, I think that's probably one way that people can look to fight these things is to like, you know, kind of organise with like-minded people, have an agenda that they stick to, and uh, and you know, think about what type of impact they want at the end of it. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean, like because in the world we live in, like the only thing that hurts these people's news is publicity. You know what I mean, like, and even then, it's like a ra- a wrap on the wrist for them mm-hmm. because as much as the Panama Papers made a big stuff, you know, made a, a big noise, and HSBC made a big noise, and all these types of things, like 
Nobody's talking about it. Aye, it's still happening. Nobody's talking about it. Aye, I mean, what did HSBC pay? Like two billion in fines. Oh, mental. Two billion quid. And even though these things are like almost like sort of like appetizers and all that appeasement for people because two billion quid to HSBC is literally a fucking drop in the ocean. Yeah. It's nothing. And people out there the idea of two billion quid so vast, but like that, they that's good, that's good. And you're like, no, economies are worth Aye. trillions and trillions Aye. now. Like, yeah. if you think that for 15 MPs that Theresa May just whipped a billion pound out of your arsehole and flung it at the DUP, yeah, when for I mean, how many years, eight years before, all we've heard about is austerity, the previous Labour government, yeah, the left is with nothing. Mm-hmm. Where did you get this billion pound for? Where did it come from? Where does the money come from to renew Trident? Where does the money come from to bomb Syria? Where does the money come from for anything that they want today? It's, it's all there. Uh-huh. It's just people need to wake the fuck up. I don't think that, so going back to the sort of yellow vest thing, I don't think that being distracted by some fucking, unfortunately for people like me and you, predominantly white men Mm. that are working class that have been misguided through conspiracy theories standing on the street shouting for a megaphone at some Swedish tourist go back to your own country (laughs) it's like it's the opposite of what I want today I mean although I I was walking to um, kickboxing yesterday and seen blue vests on Charing Cross Bridge with like Scotland flags um, waving their Scotland flags at Cars coming, cars going down the M8. I think it was actually, like, as I'd say, I think it was pointed at sort of Rangers fans because when I went back at quarter past three after the Rangers game had kicked off, they were gone. <laughs> so okay. I think they're actually they're just winding people up. But if there was a movement of people that were um, like, that knew a wee bit more about these things and were actually focusing their energy because the the energy is needed and the 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 the, the hearts in the right place. Mm. But the actual message is just completely fucking wrong. It's almost like, um, aye, it's working class people turning on other working class people, yeah. which isn't going to get you the desired result. Because mm-hmm. it, what these people are wanting is change. Yeah, I mean, if you strip it down, take away whatever fucking message, these people, if you were to say to them, what is it that you want? I would hope that every one of them, once they get over their bigotry and their racism, they would go, I want a better quality of life. Yeah. For me... And for people like me, right? So take away the like, the like me at that level, and just go to this actual linchpin of you want a better quality of life. You don't want to be living on benefits. These people feel like within this community, a sort of white supremacist, alt right, or whatever, whatever you want to call it, they find a purpose. Mm. They actually wake up in the morning and look at themselves and go, "I'm doing something here." And I think this is what people have been missing. Um, I think, yeah purpose we've, mm. we've we've been in the pursuit of satisfaction through consumerism mm-hmm. and through you know, if you improve your life your car your social stance that's going to give you satisfaction yeah. and we've hit that brick wall where it's like it doesn't it really doesn't or on the flip side i can't actually get to that that you're telling me will make yeah. me happy because i don't have any fucking money i doesn't need social mobility or yeah like you backed me into a fucking corner and knew what what the left way is it's their fault it's their Aye. fault all that's left is the anger that comes along with their failures. Mm-hmm. Aye. No, I mean, I can agree with that. Um, <clears throat> I think it's going to take for somebody to come along that isn't, like, that, 
I hate to say it, but is almost on the level of a Tony Blair or a Barack Obama, hmm. but actually fucking delivers on what they, they, they promise today, that they actually deliver real change. Hmm. Um, I've not heard anybody, any politician in this country, maybe uh, known Scotland and UK-based politics, say anything that I'm like, I really agree with that, that, that I don't feel hmm. that isn't a fucking soundbite. I've been quite um, impressed recently with some of the noises that have come out of the Green Party, um, particularly in Scotland, I think, you know, run about the recent budget and obviously some of the gains they've made in like, you know, Glasgow City Council. Um, I think there's been a number of things I've heard from recently, but I'm like, do you know what, they're actually kind of in a sense the opposite of the DUP in, the, in UK terms where, you know, the DUP are dragging the Tories about with the balance of power, you know, almost with Theresa May by the hair. Whereas in Scotland, the Greens are actually using their influence to, like, genuinely question, like, the government on legitimate issues in terms of cuts and various other sort of things that, you know, held the budget up in the first place. So, um, I, yeah, I definitely, that's something that, you know, the Greens are relatively new to me in mm-hmm. wider terms, something I'd be interested in hearing more about. Um, but, you know... They've got an opportunity with young people, especially when kids are walking out the school on climate change. And we're um, also tired of like the you know London light parties. You know what I mean, like the Scottish Tories and, and Labour. And see, to be honest with you, like I think Labour are in a tough position because I think there is genuine people within the Labour Party and the Labour movement who are still trying to do good, uh, who are still trying to do good by Labour's actual principles. I think they're maybe a wee bit let down by the leadership. Uh, in terms of what they can and can't achieve up here, so I don't want to be too doing on you know the Labour Party, but like what somebody like me thinks is like I'm for independence at the moment, but I'm not necessarily Mister SNP. And like come the time that independence comes, the first thing I'll probably be looking for is an alternative to the SNP. Mm-hmm. And I think what I've heard in recent years for the Green Party and how they've conducted themselves and how they're just slowly kind of like growing their numbers and you know obviously their representation at various levels like. I've been impressed by how they've been tactically, how they've held the government to account. Uh, I look forward to them maybe making that type of contribution at you know, a, a city level in Glasgow Council because I think there are a lot of challenges in terms of the city council. You know, I think obviously Whitehill recently, you know, the campaign to save Whitehill was huge um, and un- unsuccessful, thankfully, because um, we need more public sort of swimming spaces around <coughs> the city. Um, obviously the Botanic Gardens was a big one, I got into a really interesting conversation with um, my local MP Paul Sweeney on Twitter, on my personal account, and he was just kind of like trying to give us a breakdown about cuts, and I know obviously cuts are a wider thing, but I think there maybe is an argument that says the SNP at a governmental level in Scotland maybe have been overly harsh with certain cuts, I don't know if they're trying to make a point or whatever. Um, so I mean that was an interesting chat, and I think, you know, I think the Greens will offer as an alternative that is no pro-unionist when, you know, the time comes. So mm-hmm. I want to see mayor like them in terms of parties, mayor like them in terms of their politicians as well. Mm-hmm. My worry with independence in that sense would be that once the, the SNP achieve their, pretty much their goal as mm-hmm. like a, a, a political entity and we, and we get independence would be that so many people would unite behind the Tories that people voting, some people voting Labour, some people voting Green, some people voting SNP or whatever that would be, or maybe Lib Dems might dilute the vote, might dilute the vote and that the Tories would become the one 
it's possible. It stands out. I mean, there's a massive Especially movement. Especially west of Scotland. There is know? a movement within the Labour guys in Scotland for India. You know what I mean? Like, so right. I think there would be, hopefully, a representation of some sort of Labour movement in Scotland that is free of the shackles of what Westminster's got to say, where they can just concentrate on what's best for the people that they serve. Mm-hmm. And I think that's the juxtaposition that face a lot of Labour MPs and Labour, you know, councillors and, you know, MSPs and whatever else at the minute is that they are party, a unionist party. They might not all necessarily agree that unionism is the best way forward, but they can't be free of that and concentrate properly on how their theory, their ethos is, can benefit the people of Scotland on its own because mm-hmm. they're torn between kind of two masters at the minute. You know what I mean? Mm. So that's a, a really good sort of point that there'll be people out there that in the labour movement that want independence but don't feel comfortable enough to really sort of shout about it. Um, who's the t- Richard Leonard? Leonard, right? He's a, he's a he's, he's mm. not great, is he? He's, yeah, I mean, it's the typical tactics that have been used by the higher end in the Labour Party recently is to, you know, raise issues that they can bash the SNP way or the Scottish government in general, but yet they're issues that are reserved by Westminster. And it's like, so kind of it both ways. Well, you're going to make an argument like uh, Minister Sweeney did with me on Twitter about how here are what the cuts look like and here is why they're disproportionate and blah, blah, blah. That's a legitimate and cohesive argument. But mm-hmm. like going, I don't think that we should be doing this when the people you're pointing fingers at have absolutely no control over that is absolute madness. And, you know, the Labour higher-ups have been doing it in Scotland for a number of years now, and it's it's contemptuous. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? Like, and I think that's why there is, among some people, a level of resentment, because they know that there is times where people in the higher end of the Labour Party are actually patronising them. Mm-hmm. You know I mean, and it's always going to turn people off. Definitely. It'll be interesting to see how it plays out. I mean, it looks like we're heading towards no deal. It um, does. Uh, and it doesn't look like it's going to collapse. So it'll be interesting. I think that it'll be interesting, especially to see what happens in this country. Yeah. Um, I mean, yesterday, uh, when we'll put this out, probably put this out pretty soon, mm-hmm. BMI, the, the, the sort of, well, the, the, the aeroplane or the, the flight company that yeah. fly between Birmingham and pretty much, that's where they're based out of, yeah. have collapsed. So they collapsed yesterday. Barclays last week took, what, 30 trillion out yeah. of their bank and dumped it somewhere, probably Ireland. So yep. we're starting to see the reality of Brexit. Um, I think that the common sense uh, the, the common sense thing would be a people's vote. But my indie wanting Scotsman and me is kind of like, do you know what? Fuck them. Why? If England wants Brexit, give them fucking Brexit and let's just I think unilateral I'm... declaration of independence and say, we didn't vote for this. We are independent. We mm-hmm. want to join back in the EU and just let the shit storm happen. I think in terms of, obviously, the sort of nationalist sort of tactics on this, I've actually been quite impressed by how like the SNP at, um, at Westminster and at you know Hollywood level have sort of stayed cohesive and acted together on this. Um, <clears throat> yep, they want independence. That's an absolute no-brainer. That's their entire goal. We voted against it. They've always maintained that point. To a massive, you know, 21, we voted against it. And they've always kept that in their rhetoric. But at the same time, they lost the 2014 election. And way 34 AMPs at Westminster 
they're not going to win that six percent swing to get us over the line next time without contributing positively to the UK while they're a member of the UK. Mm. And I think some of the tones about chats with Theresa May, opinions on you know the the delusion and some of the policy making and stuff like that that's went on. Like the I think the SNP have been a more effective opposition on Brexit than the Labour Party have been mm. at Westminster in a lot of respects and. They really have tried their absolute best to hold the government to account for the benefit of the yeah. entire UK. It's not how a lot of people are going to see it. It's going to be whinging and axe grinding to get independence. And ultimately it is that. But like, why would they know positively want to contribute to the UK while they were a member of it? Because that gap between failure and defeat was pretty small the last time. And if we can convince a fraction of those people by saying, look, we tried our best to stop this train wreck before it happened in everybody's best interests. I think that could go a long way next time if people saying, do you know what? Right, let's give this a try. Mm-hmm. What have we got to lose? Mm-hmm. You know do, what you mean? Th- do you think Brexit... Oh, I mean, other than the, the, the Labour leadership's clear hankering for... <laughs> for a, uh, I don't know for what an, Corbyn's motivation here is at all. Well, I think that there's people out there that are right in saying that if you look at his... He's voting and his opinion on Europe. He's he's a Eurosceptic. Mm. At the end of the day, he wants he's he isn't anti it isn't anti immigration. It's mm-hmm. it's anti corruption. I think and yeah. and it, he wants a a, a socialist state. Mm. So that's not going to work within the centrist EU. It's not. It's just they're not going to let it happen. Yeah. I mean, is there any socialist nations within the EU? I think the the closest ones probably France, but Macron is not a fucking socialist. He's no. an ex Lehman Brothers banker. <laughs> you know what I mean? like, he's a centrist. I mean, they're they're writing against that. It's almost like um, I found this funny that the other week when I heard that Vince Cable was breaking away with people like I think Anne Sorbet for the Tories, and they're thinking about creating this new centrist party. Mm. And you're like, we're out there, but we're not. But there's people out there rebelling. Brexit, Trump, um. Le Pen, Farage, these are all protest votes against the centre. Yeah. People don't really like what we're seeing for the centre. Mm-hmm. It's basically so fucking corrupt. Do you know what I mean? It's yeah. so indoctrined <clears throat> into it that into that sort of cent- centre ground. I thought that that was interesting that they were coming out saying, we're going to form our own central party. And it's like, what what is the need? You've already got the Liberal Democrats who are pretty much a dead central mm. party. I mean, they've died. I don't think that there's an actual fucking need for an, a, another sort. I think that that's what we were talking about earlier, where it's people at Vince Cable looking and going, "I'll be the leader of the central party, yeah. and I'll, I'll." That's his in. opportunity. This, here's my here's my political opportunity. Come in and say, "I am the only political leader, major political leader, other than uh, Lucas of the Greens, that is campaigning on a pro-European campaign." Yeah. Which I think he would probably win an election, maybe based on. Mm. I don't know, man. Um, like, I think the silent majority in this country is pro-EU. That... In Scotland, yeah. Um, in England, I don't know anymore. I mean, the, the initial vote was so close and fraught with, you know, you know, fraud and various other things that I, I genuinely don't know what England thinks about it, um, realistically. Um, but it's... I, I think we've talked about it in previous episodes when it comes to like the you know the elections and stuff like that. I don't think realistically a new centrist party. I mean, they would get trounced up and down the country because of first past the post. Like first past the post is almost exclusively designed to quell any sort of third party really for, for sort of taking hold. Like them, 
I mean, they would need a massive, massive, like almost bottomless money pit to like overtake like the Tories and Labour and their strongholds, to, and that's where you would you would need to date to win an election. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Like, it wouldn't be about you know swings going one way or another. You'd need you you know three you know axes for mm-hmm. that type of conversation. You know what I mean? Like, and the system's just set up to completely negate that. You know what I mean? Like that's why. You know, the Lib Dems of what, what's the top two to like 40 MPs. You know what I mean? Like, even when they were at their absolute zenith. You know what I mean? Like, it's why UKIP have never taken hold and why the Greens have never taken hold in Westminster in any meaningful way when at their heights in recent years, both have polled north of 25% of the population. So, you know, it's so dispersed and so widespread that low-level support that it just can't get it over the line. So mm-hmm. even... If somebody like a you know new centrist party or whatever the democratic centrist whatever right. it is like popped a UK up, version of the Democrats. yeah, I mean, it's one of the ones where the effort to get them out of the line before Brexit completely fucks us all would need to be like yeah, superhuman. I think it would probably be post Brexit. Surely it would be when but, people see how shit it is and want to react against it. All bets are off. Mm-hmm. Who knows? You know what I mean? How ironic it will be if we need to go back to the Can't EU and beg to get and then it'll be you're taking the euro please sir can I have some surely they would be like you can get fucked if you're not taking the euro and it'll just they eat. should roll them out of barrel to be fair I, I don't know man I think had Theresa May no put her red lines down about you know freedom of movement and things like that that I, I think the noises for you know Europe have been that they've done a deal you know, that see if it's just been customs union and freedom of movement, they'd have been fine. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? But she put these red lines in. These are the, the red lines that created been... the backstop issues in yeah. Ireland as a result. These of are the, the issues. These are the the issues that the Tory backbenchers have, that actually want. These, yeah. I mean, it's not it, it, it's not about the money come going to the EU. It is about the an ideology. I yeah, and I mean, if if you listen to what some of the stuff that people like Mog are saying is. The, the 50 years recovery and stuff like that. I mean, we will become, a, a, I feel that the UK will become basically a slave labour market tax haven Aye. post-Brexit. A well, shop no for, minimum wage. Yep. They'll re-industrialise in the sense that they'll be opening fucking whatever factories, but with people making next to nothing for their, for their labour. I, I, that's what I genuinely think it's about. I mean, I'm not the, I'm not the biggest fan deal. of globalisation and for the reasons that you had cited, mm-hmm. like how easy it is to... It's not even globalisation, do you know what? Fuck that, because it is not that. It's the corruption yeah. that's involved. Like you'd, We need to get away from... It's the it's the EU, like, or we should be rebelling against one world government. Why should we not have one tax code for the full planet so that we can't um. have tax havens? Why should we not have one currency so that we don't need to begin into this... Idiotic fucking market mm-hmm. that dictates whether or not the pounds doing against the dollar and blah blah. blah. It's all just fucking bullshit. It's because <laughs> underneath the, the it's actual completely fictitious, yeah, underneath like. the digital and the paper currency that we trade in, what is actually being traded it's is faith. resources. Well, I in terms of I, I, and they all trade on the dollar, the euro, or the yen, or the ruble. None of them trade in the fucking pounds. So. No. What is the, 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 the pound versus the dollar? It's just all fucking bullshit to keep you just thinking about different things mm. rather than being able to see the actual... People moving fractions about screens on computers and saying that it's money. Exactly. So, you know I mean? like, I'm 
I'm no anti-globalist in the sense that I don't want people coming here or I don't want to be able to go elsewhere. I don't really give a shit about that. Right. I think that it could we could be doing a better job to integrate people if they want to come here and mm-hmm. different things and yeah. that's a different sort of thing. But I'm not really anti-globalist and I wouldn't even be against if somebody said in 100 years we'll have one government and it'll... I wouldn't really be afraid of that. Um, but what I'm afraid of is the level of co- corruption that exists within yeah. the, the political and how it's all intertwined. Mm-hmm. That the, the the business, the private sector and the public sector are just blood. The lines are completely blood beyond yeah. all recognition. And all we need to world. get back some sort of level of control. Um, so I, I, I'm, I, I'm with you that it's like a problem that has been created hasn't been created it exists but we're focused completely on the wrong things when mm-hmm. it comes to things like brexit and yeah. trump and it isn't it isn't the right solution Aye. i mean look at in terms of wrong solutions in trump um obviously his national emergency that he's called which is kind of harken back on some of the points we made and you know the first uh, the rebel city shots about the american supreme court and why we've got a pure instant massive example of why that decision was so so important um, so Trump's obviously called his, his, you know, he's had the shutdown, longest shutdown in American government history, 800,000 federal workers without wages um, for, you know, nearly four weeks, um, getting letters for the government saying, you know, we know you're not getting any money they know, but why don't you go and chat your landlords, don't see if you need any painting for them, by means so like barter, so Trump actually <laughs> brought back the barter, <laughs> the barter system, system in America, so he did for federal employees. Wow. So obviously get that out of the way, said I'm going to sign the government on for another 21 days so it could be State of the Union and go out and you know, puff his chest out and talk a lot of shit for again an hour or so, just absolute nonsense. Um, and what, one of which he actually claimed like credit for the record number of women in Congress. So obviously, you know, women all, all across America have stood up against Trump. Mm-hmm. They all showed up to the State of the Union in white. And in his own speech, he essentially took credit oh, for them. And you're just like, he's trolling. Wow. He's trolling. Like, like, fuck. But then he's getting Nancy Pelosi, is that who says something? Yeah. Standing behind him, getting a standing ovation. But that's that's like the pomp and ceremony that, like that you get the, in the UK with like Black Rod hmm, and all that. Have you seen the. The episode of South Park where they have the the royal wedding, and like the royal, as is tradition. As is tradition. So it's like that. Aye. But you need to. That's the type. These are the types of things: the corruption and the institutionalization that we need to get ready. Mm. That she needs to stand and in protest. Like pure wank. And, and <laughs> exactly, and protest against them. But yeah. she can't do it because it's like she's there as a bearer of her office rather than her political party at that point in time. Exa- exactly. Um, I so. Government's open back up, people are moving again, you know, he gets today's photo call at the State of the Union and try and scare everybody into submission again, um, and then comes straight out and calls a national emergency. Now, the national emergencies, the legislation's extremely vague because they deliberately left it like that because they couldn't anticipate every potential national emergency that they would face, whether it be hurricanes or 9-11 or whatever. These are the types of levels of situation that a national emergency is called for. He's now called for it um, in relation to immigration and, you know, border security. And it was because during the shutdown, he was asking for $5.7 billion to build this war. And they all went, well, what's the $5.7 billion for? And he was like, don't worry about it. 
So it was an uncosted 5.7 billion he was asking right. for, which in Trump land is just going to va- evaporate. Uh, you know what I mean? Like, do you think that they could build a wall that would span the southern border of America for $5 billion? Something like north of 60% of Americans' illegal contraband coming in and out of the country does it through legitimate ports. Like, building a wall makes no difference to this. Like, the right. Mexicans, like Chapo, who was convicted in a New York court during the week, was building tunnels for Juarez to bloody, you know, New Mexico. Like, it was not going to stop them building a tunnel. Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> so, 5.7 unbu- you know, unbu- bu- 5.7 uncosted, and the government not shut it down. He's got, you've got 21 days to agree something else, I'm going to shut the government down again. This time he's called this national emergency. And it's weird because can you guess who are the final arbiter of what a national emergency is? The US Supreme Court. Right. So, so aye, this he's shows you a why. five four majority yeah. on the US Supreme Court, with two of them being his picks. Um so when it comes to the crunch, it's gonna be it's got I mean, by no definition in the law does the current situation meet a national, a national emergency. emergency. Yeah. It's like a massive overreach and is almost a kind of step towards totalitarianism in mm. America. Yeah. The, the level of power. That. So, and that 5.7 is now 8 billion. So, he's now looking to take $8 billion for his wall uncosted because he personally thinks it's an emergency. Um, Did it not cost them nearly a billion dollars to make the fucking samples? Like the six samples that sit... Aye. There's like a couple six, hundred million, aye. Aye. So, to think like even eight is like... That's going to be... That's going to be like the American... America's version of the fucking Edinburgh tram system. But it's like... <laughs> They're building it forever and it be just like causes one scandal after another. There'll be four presidents deep and they'll go, it's finally done. And it's like, how much did it cost us? Two trillion, do you know what I mean? Like, but it's there, and Aye. then within a hundred years, it'll be fucking knocked down. No, like, no. Oh, we need to get rid of this. And I love his, uh, you know, when he's announcing that walls work, and you're like, the Berlin Wall like, didn't fucking work, when, mate. So like, when? When? Like, when? When did it work? Did it work in Northern Ireland? No. no. Did it work in Germany? No. No. That's, like, the only time I've seen it ever work was um, watching uh, that Matt Damon movie recently, The Great Wall of China, and that was a completely fictitious monster movie. Ah, <laughs> right. I mean, like, mm-hmm. um, but I. No, they don't, they don't really work in, in that respect. Especially when, as I say, so much is coming through legal and legitimate channels. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like, but did you think about the... Um, we spoke about this briefly, and I didn't really understand much about it, mm-hmm. um, but I, I do have a better grasp of what the Supreme Court is and how it can affect, and it's basically like the writer of laws in America. Yeah. That's how you get your laws passed. Um, what did you think about the smear campaign against Kavanaugh? Because, I mean, it's pretty much come out that a cup, no, all the women that cried rape, mm-hmm. but at least one of them was talking absolute fucking shit. Aye. So, um, I was I was reading something about it the other week, and I was thinking when you look at everything that this guy stood for, like he wants to rescind, is it Roe v. Wade? Or, yeah, abortion, gay rights, and yeah. various other. He's going to wait all these things that Christian. this guy stands for, and all the evidence and the 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 information and that's on him about what he believes in why did the american left which i mean mm-hmm. i would i would put that under air quotes yeah left because there is no fucking left in america probably <clears throat> poor um bernie sanders is like and an outlier and then people like cortez that are starting to actually get in which is promising but um the american left felt that they had to smear this guy in a way 
that was so shocking that it was almost it, unbelievable. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? That it, it sort of instead of just coming out and saying to people and having having the confidence that the electorate would be able to just go look at what this guy stands for and just be honest with people and go, we don't want this guy in because of X, Y, and Z. It's because they didn't have the bodies to stop it. Like, you know, the Democrats have recently taken control of Congress, like the lower house in America uh, in January, but the Kavanaugh was November. Previous to so, that. So they yeah. were ramming him through as quickly as possible because they feared that they were going to lose the Senate because it's ultimately the Senate, like, our equivalent of the House right. of Lords. So people that, don't even have a choice. No. So the Senate confirms. Right, okay. So the president nominates somebody to office confirmed by the Senate. Now, the Republicans expanded their hold of the Senate in the last elections, so Trump can pretty much nominate whoever the fuck he likes between now and whenever he's out, and it's probably going to go through. Mm. The good thing is is that now, after the turn of the year with the Democrats in charge of the lower house, that all sorts of investigations can now, because that's the yep. investigative arm of the American government. Okay, so um, that's why there's people being indicted in like since yep. January. So guys like Kamala Harris have yep. been taking them to bits. And like, I think it's been interesting to see guys like Kamala Harris um, and, you know, the head of Guy Corey um, announced their candidacy for Democratic nominee. Um, there's a lot of can like also run so it's not it's two years away there's already been like north of 20 people have declared um some of them I and mean, she's looking at one was an ex um kind of right wing nutter she's now a left democrat but like she's got history of like transgenders and gays and everything along every, all, every horrible thing you could think that you know goes on in this world that causes that outrage we've talked about She'd said at previous points and has had to come out and she's did like an apology video as oh, a part yeah. of a launch I watched for Hawaii. This, right, aye, aye, aye. I was going to say she's aye. the member of Congress for Hawaii yeah. or whatever. Yep, yep, I've watched that. Uh, so uh, she's declared, so, so it was interesting to see how close she's going to get to a Democratic ticket, which is probably almost nowhere near. Um, but there's, there's a few like serious candidates, like I'm, I'm a big fan of Kamala Harris. Uh, I think Elizabeth Warren um, is going to get slapped about senseless exactly the same way as Clinton did. The irony is, is that she's arguably the most capable of the ones that have announced, mm. but because of the whole Pocahontas chat, Trump's just going to just going to decimate That's, her. Yeah, so this is the one that she had said that she was Native American, yeah. and it turned out that she had about as much Native American blood yeah. on her as so I've like, got fucking like Zimbabwean. But she also zero point one percent. She also put it on a <clears throat> college application form when she was younger. Right. But this is at a time when, see. We didn't have DNA tests and we didn't have all that kind of stuff. And see, if, and see, me or see if you grew up and your dad was pure, I sober Irish, you'd be like, cool, so I'm part Irish. Uh, you know what I mean? Like that, a lot of that went on in Glasgow. Oh, <laughs> um, fuck it. I mean, I'm, I, I remember, I think my, my bubble got burst at like 13 when I went, I was talking to somebody in school and I'd said to her, oh, like my mum's family's got a direct link to the Anils, the, the, the Irish, mm -hmm. the last king of Ireland. Yeah. Um, and she was basically like, "Oh, my dad's telling me the same thing," and it turned out, <laughs> <laughs> it turned out that pretty much like, and I'm not saying my mum definitely didn't come up with us. Yeah, like, it's been passed. Down. That's what you're saying, like like the Elizabeth Warren one. Somebody's told somebody who's told somebody, and it's passed generationally until somebody then questions it. But you until, know, until we get to the te technological point where we can take a bit of your blood and go, yeah. here's exactly where you came from," and you but, go. 
He's oh, going to just use minute. that to grind her to dust. Yeah. So it's in the exact same way as emails and lock her up and all the rest of it. He's already dealt with Warren before mm-hmm. she's even started running. Do you think Clint would have the audacity to try and run again? <laughs> yeah. I don't doubt it. <laughs> I, uh, she shouldn't. She absolutely should not. But I think uh, there's somewhere, if she does a book run anytime soon, you know, where she's at touring yeah. books, then she's she's running. Surely That's the, the telltale sign in America mm-hmm. is that you do a book tour roughly 18 months to a year before a nomination yeah. and that's you kind of signaling your intent. Surely the leaders I mean? of the Democrats have got to know that that's... Tell her to sit down. Aye, that aye. it's just not going to happen. I mean, she It was viable she after lost. Obama because she was still in office. Like, mm-hmm. she lost to Obama but then went into a really high power... She was Secretary of State. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, that's a ma- that's second in charge, essentially, you know, in a lot of respects. Um, have you ever seen the... It's slightly off topic but it was something that was... So I'd heard mentioned the other day and then I went and looked at it. You ever seen the video where saying that we should just drone, uh, drone strike Julian Assange in England? No. There's a video here, or it was audio <laughs> that I heard. It was audio that I heard, and they're talking about Assange, and it was run about, It would have been the time when he got took into the Colombian embassy or yeah, Ecuador, in, Ecuadorian embassy in London, um, and she was saying, "Well, we know where he is. So why don't we just drone strike him?" And you're like, mm, that kind of sums her up. I can believe her. Say, no, I, think I can believe that, definitely. But uh, I like Camilla Harris. Um, she was one of the ones that did a lot of the sort of cross-examination of Kavanaugh and like skewered him like mm-hmm. multiple, multiple times. Like she's feisty. She's sharp. She's a woman of colour. Um, she ticks a lot of boxes in sort of democratic terms. Um, she's quite young in the grand scheme of, you know, politics for these types of things. Um, there's a fella that I... Corey, I can't remember his second name now. I might be, but he lives in a like. He's the only congressman that lives in like low, um, like in a impoverished area. Right. Lives still lives in his like his local community. On right. Maybe his family home or something. Aye. Like um, and makes a big deal about being, you know, of his roots, of his of his hometown, and it is. He's a sharp guy. I've seen him on a number of committees. He's, he's quite popular on things like The Daily Show and mm. stuff like that. He's quite charismatic. So he's quite a good-looking guy as well and obviously quite sellable in that respect. Do you know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. um, going to hold my tongue and not talk about Andrew Lee because obviously, we'll, we'll, well, no, obviously, but we're going to have um, the Universal Basic Income chat again. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't really want to talk about it because it's it, it, it will be a really good point. And yep. that some of the costings that this guy cited on Joe Rogan's podcast are mind-blowingly small mm-hmm. when you take into account some of the stuff that would just leave if you gave it. So he's he's campaigning on $1,000 a month for right. every, every American. Um, and it will be very, very interesting to see how far he gets. I mean, yeah. it, I don't see there being a, an actual appetite for a, a UBI candidate mm. right now. Yeah, But maybe in 2024... The machinery of two-party politics in America is very similar to the machinery of two-party politics in the UK. Um, so it's, it's I don't think he's running independent. I think he's wanting to run for the Democrats. All oh, right, okay. I think he's going to do what Trump's done with, with the Republicans. <laughs> punched my fucking mic. Would you make it the Starbucks did? Try and get himself in and get, yeah. steal their ticket, basically. Aye. So what's this? So the co-owner or founder of Starbucks is talking about potentially running. Oh, fuck off. 
it's going to be like Trump 2.0, but I think he's trying to pitch himself as it's like a, the democratic a, version, a, a, a more liberal outsider sort of thing. Right. What right, he's about today plenty of them. I mean, probably been... take all the tax that Starbucks hasn't been paying and hiding Americans that are somewhere else. Mm. You know what I mean? What? There's been a lot of sort of chat of Michelle Obama, mm. Oprah Winfrey. There's a lot of people on the, the left are almost in America like scrambling for their Trump like yeah. messiah that's going to just come in and just wipe the floor but unfortunately you can't be progressive and liberal and basically just smack talk people the no. way trump did it, it just won't work and that is i hope is something that well, we need somebody as somebody assured confident in themselves articulate and intelligent who will go toe-to-toe -to -toe with trump in a debate and make him look and sound like the wee boy the stupid fucking wee boy that he is and Clinton could never do that. Um, I think somebody like, if you look at the Kavanaugh hearings, Kamala Harris, I'd love to see fucking Kamala Harris go up and debate Donald Trump in a televised debate. I think she would fucking tear strips off him. So mm -hmm. she would. And that's, it's a big thing in America. It's not really been a big thing here, the, the, the televised debates, because they're all just fucking pre-recorded sound bites that were spat out on yeah. command. You know what I mean? Like, but And American ones can sometimes be like that, but with Trump in the mix, you know what I mean? There's there's a chance to like actually have some back and forth, but like Clinton Aye. bottled it. You know yeah, what I mean? Like hundred percent. Somebody like Trump in a debate, you you go for the jugular. Yeah, you know I, what I mean like I heard somebody say that she lost that election. He didn't win it. She lost it. Oh, I mean, if you look at even just the the, the swing states, um, the amount of time that Trump put in, had gone to these places and speaking to people. Yep. He was doing it. He was doing like three places a day. Yeah, she was too busy. Don't Aye. fuck all, basically being a politician, I think, like an American politician. At places like Nevada, where, you know, there's X amount of electoral votes, I don't know, I can't remember. But, like, wasn't it exactly, like, a pure hotspot for, like, political visits over previous elections? But Trump went there, like, multiple times, and people were like, why the fuck's he going to Nevada? Why does he keep going to Nevada? Why does he keep going to these places where, like, they don't have a lot of electoral votes? You know what I mean? Electoral college seats and stuff like that. But then you're like, it's the electoral college that won him at. So going to these wee shitty places that, I know Nevada's not a wee shitty place, but going to these places that are the traditionally, you know, the hubs of the political world in America was massively beneficial to him. You know what I mean? Like Because he motivated the people to get out for him and essentially swing him the election, mm -hmm. even though he lost by three million votes. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. American politics is just, it's a strange and wonderful beast to me, like, especially if you can lose an election. I mean, that's been two of the last four. And George Bush lost to um, Al Gore, Al Gore, and uh, Trump lost to, to Clinton. So, so it's kind of one of the things I'm talking about with the blog um, is <clears throat> a, a kind of article called, you know, kind of like you, you don't live in a democracy, um, and looking at, you know, some examples are, you know, the George Bush Al Gore election, you know, Trump, um, you know, election fraud in the UK. You know, there's obviously been multiple accusations of, you know, election fraud at both general election, Brexit and beyond, um, where even convictions, and this is what we were talking about like HSBC earlier on, where crime and punishment don't always necessarily fit each other, and that erodes people's confidence in the institutions. Like, people in the Tory party have been actively convicted of election fraud by the Election Commission, fines 70 grand. So you win an, you steal an election 
for a seventy grand fine. That's ridiculous. You know what I mean? So that's where, not about, that's where that's where this erosion of people's confidence in institutions in. comes from. They're going to work you know it into their budget for their next elections the same way that the banks work in fucking PPI claims into yeah. them. <laughs> so, <laughs> their next projections just aye. like we'll just cheat and we'll just pay the seventy. Uh, we'll be seventy. It'll be hundred grand next day. That's fine. Aye, cool. That's that. Wrap on the knuckles. Um, so that's kind of one of the things I'm we were talking, you know, earlier on in the episodes about the the bloggers I'm working on is that I'm really looking to kind of uh, shatter some people's illusions of what democracy actually means because we actively don't live in one, as far as I'm concerned. Like mm-hmm. Scotland's Scotland's democratic will is not represented at a Westminster level. Like the UK system forbids, as we've discussed already, any real change in that. The Scottish system is set up to hobble nationalist majorities, which obviously it has done recently. Um, where do these fit with democratic principles? You know what I mean? Like, does losing an election by three million votes count as a democratic mm-hmm. result? You know what I mean? What's going on in Venezuela? You know? Oh, you know what I mean? Sake, like, where I, an admittedly bad guy got elected, but the American government's just went, nah, fuck that man, we want this dude. Yeah. And everybody's went, I cool. You're like, what the fuck's democratic I, about that? The world has done that. Aye. Venezuela certainly haven't fucking done that. There's something about, I was reading something about the, the, the Bank England's holding like 1.9 trillion in Venezuelan gold and refusing to get back to Venezuela based on this election result. So if you want to talk about like democracy, Aye. We, all, <coughs> we, 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 especially when it comes to Brexit, we are talking about it's anti-democratic, it's anti-democratic to give people a choice when the people of Venezuela voted for somebody legitimately, according to your data. Possibly, I possibly, <laughs> but according to the the, the to the, uh, the narrative, they've they've elected this guy in our bank. Why does our bank have the power to withhold a trillion dollars worth of gold when that country is in fucking dire straits yeah. and the people that live there are fucking starving and all Absolutely. sorts of shit, man? That is the type of thing. If you want to talk about anti-globalization that is the type of corruption that's driving this anti-globalist yep. narrative that is our bank these are the people that are going to be in charge of this country when we leave the global stage when we it's take a step it's got a pure back. heavy with a new world order about it oh it? fucking you know right I mean? it does absolutely and if you think that Trump is the protest vote Brexit and England is the protest vote just look at what's going on in, in Venezuela Aye. do you know what I mean not that the EU is any better I mean if you look at what's going on in Catalonia what's happened yep. in Greece and it's Portugal and places like that. Catalonia there. is another one of the examples I was looking at in terms of researching the article as well because how many times do the people of Catalonia need to actually say we want to be free of Spain? And they face that kind of similar restriction in that, you know, a lot of Spanish trade comes through Barcelona. You know what I mean? Like it's a massive industrial hub for Spain. Yeah, that's and why they need it. That's, that's exactly why, it. Yeah, exactly why they it. won't let it go. So how many times do they democratically need to express their will to be free before Spain stops sending police officers and, you know, crash helmets and nightsticks? Mm-hmm. It's, well, what's democratic about that? You know what I mean? Like, so there's a number of like really sort of current and recent examples that I've been playing about with. And I'm looking forward, it's kind of grown arms and legs a wee bit though because it started off as an idea for one of our shorts but it's no it, it gets bigger every time i think mm-hmm. about it so should maybe just think about a guest and, and just do like a, a a night like a good research podcast on mm-hmm. democracy the, yeah. the illusion of democracy i don't know who would be good to talk about that um but i suppose we can have a wee think about that but yeah. i would do well up. i mean I, I know very little other than the the shocking examples that we're talking about where you're like that well that isn't very fucking democratic All is right. it and um, I would love to 
to sit down and have a conversation with people about it and see what they, see what they think about it. Cool. Um, did you watch the Fire Festival documentary? On- <laughs> Aye. Thankfully, I didn't have to suck anybody's dick for this one. <laughs> <laughs> well, um, what, how do you feel about this sort of prevalent thing that's happening just now? And it's and it, and it is it's creeped its head round with people like the Kardashians <laughs> and the Generals where they're basically selling shit to people for like loads yeah, of money absolutely. and they're selling the idea it's mm-hmm. like the idea of their life have a have a, have a taste of your lifestyle yeah and then when you get whatever it is that you fucking bought some sort of face cream you realize that it's just fucking moisturizer <laughs> with somebody's sick. fucking face slapped on it but yeah there was um i've heard people come through both sides of the argument and saying that because basically if people haven't watched it in the fire festival there was a the top 10 20 models on the planet yeah. were taken to uh, the Caymans and allegedly, Norman's K. Allegedly, I Pablo Escobar's island. Norman Norman's K was, um, if you've seen the movie Blow, yeah, um, it was the George Young's business partner had separated. Yeah. They needed somewhere to land and refuel to get to be able to, to get single engine Cessnas for Pablo Escobar's compound in Colombia to Florida, or mm-hmm. Florida Keys or whatever yeah. it is, and it was Norman's K, and it was basically a a small piece of land where I unstrip and fuck all else. And these guys, <laughs> one of them being Jaru, who which it's like, right, okay, it's Jaru. Strange. They wanted to take Blink 182 or people early day this festival. But the way that they sold it to people was is that this is what the festival's going to be like. And they spent this these two or three days in this tropical environment that wasn't in Norman's K for a start. It was a two-day party, wasn't it? Well, they just went and got fucked up with some models. But the 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 point of discussion is this this thing about the models posted the orange Instagram yeah. post to say, I'm going to be going to the Fire Festival. Mm-hmm. And people started to buy the tickets based on the fact that Natalie yeah. uh, Ratajkowski and mm-hmm. Emily, Emily Ratajkowski, and that these models were going to be there and that they were thinking that this... I mean, there was a guy. There was a guy that went to that that paid three hundred fifty thousand dollars. <laughs> no, this was to go and like, stay in a hurricane disaster tent. Yeah, in the middle of fucking tropical environments it's with no lights, no toilets. <laughs> but it, the, I mean, <clears throat> other than that, was hilarious. I, before I'm, I, 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 I like ask my question. There was the the only positive review that exists online is a guy that won the tickets in a raffle, and he said that he thought it was hilarious watching rich kids run about trying to grab soaking wet fucking uh, mattresses to yeah. get them into. The, it's basically the world of the fucking uh, flies. It was, uh, it was an absolute ramy. Um But how do you feel about the responsibility? Uh, uh, so I've worked in sales, mm-hmm. um, and. As a working class person working in a, in a shop, if I've sold somebody something, it turns out to be no what I tell them that it is. Mm-hmm. I, I could potentially be sacked. Yeah. And also in my contract, there's a sort of personal liability thing that mm-hmm. happens that if the company loses money based on your mistake. my mistakes, I'm libelous for them. Okay. Do you think that people like supermodels and the Kardashians that basically don't try and test products or okay. use them themselves? but then sell them to young kids because that's who's buying these fucking things yeah. based on like, this is what I use. Mm-hmm. Here's the diarrhea shake that I use. And it's <laughs> like, right, so that got you the, the, the millions of dollars that you've clearly spent fucking slicing your body and aye, getting that your body to look like that. Do you think that they should be sort of personally liable for these things? Or? I think to a degree. Um, 
I think obviously we've seen it, you know, pretty recently. We we talked about it on one of the shank with KP um, about you know Gwyneth Paltrow's Vajeg, um, and you know there is merit and merit happening. I think we touched on you know DJ Khaled like filling his you know cereal bowl with Ciroc and like you know <laughs> it was like people were pure. I didn't realize it was an advert. You're like you're a fucking idiot. Like if you didn't realize that was an advert, but yeah. I think there is to be more openness in the advertising and I think, I don't know, it's hard to like hold a salesman responsible for the failure in a product or a, an event for me. Um, you know, they were there, as you say, two years beforehand. They are paid X amount of thousand pounds to show up and look pretty and that's what they did. Um, obviously, they were involved in posting the, the orange tag and, and got involved in the marketing but. For then on in, it's not really their fault that this clown couldn't fucking build a festival. You know what I mean? Mm. Look, this guy sold an image, an idea to them that they bought into for a year later to realise it was a fucking disaster. So I think there's a lot goes on in between those two things to be like, right, you probably should have done more due diligence to realise this guy was a con man. Mm-hmm. Um, you, you know, you should never really actively try and promote anything that's harmful to anybody, which I don't think they did. And what happened between them taking their money and having their weekend in the Caribbean and then 10,000 people showing up on an island that was built for 2,000 people. You know, there's only so much I could personally hold them responsible for. But there are other examples, as you say, where people definitely need to be more clear about the fact that they're advertising. And if they are actually advocating for a product, particularly like health and beauty stuff that's aimed at younger kids, probably would be useful if they did actually make use of these products themselves so that they can actively advocate yeah, for them. I think you know like, what I mean? What? Things like the Fire Festival shone a light on it. Um, it. I think that shone a light on it because it was kind of shocking what happened when the people got there and it was widely... Aye. So but it, it kind of shone a light on that, a different thing because for all that, yep, you're right, these people were paid to go to that island and have a party, essentially. Yeah. And then the guy said to them, as part of your payment, you need to do this Instagram post on this date. Then he basically said that anybody that's posted this will be there, which pretty much to a person mm-hmm. in the, in the documentary, they were like, I never knew that that's why I was posting this. Mm-hmm. And I think a couple of them probably don't even have control of their own Instagram accounts, yeah. right? So that's... But what it did shine a light on is people like Beckham, mm-hmm. for instance, that is asked to sell Herbalife. Not only does he do that, but invests in the company and he gets them to sponsor the LA Galaxy. Mm-hmm. Now, Herbalife is a toxic yeah. fucking protein shake. Mm-hmm. Does he use it? That's the, that's the point that gets to Ronaldo me. as well, isn't he? He's, he's Ronaldo's in Herbalife, yep. Um, that's the, and then you get the, there was the, the general the Kylie Jenner advent calendar. It was like 240 quid. It was a makeup, <laughs> it was like a makeup advent calendar. So right. it was, 10 quid per day mm-hmm. and when you opened the advent calendar it was like pound shop makeup makeup <laughs> that was coming out yeah but the they had to put it on the internet as in like we'll be using this and it's the products that we use and it gives you like a sample size yeah. or like the products that, which would be clearly be expensive products i think when it gets to that level i know now the the they've said you need to put in the post i add, I, add this is an ad but i don't think that the young people that these influencers, like mm. we call them social media influencers, the people that they inf- they're influencing, isn't me and you. No. I, I don't, th- I mean, there'll be a certain amount of middle-aged, I would consider myself middle-aged, but 
but people thought in over mm-hmm. that will get sucked into it because in the, the I think they call them millennials. <laughs> um, Technically, we are millennials. I know, I know, but I, I, it's a term I hate in relation to myself. It's, I'm on the other side. I think this is. I think you've kind of approached it for that um, kind of positive mindset point of view that you like to approach things and we've discussed in the past. And I think for me, this is one of these sort of scenarios, particularly with the fire side of things that. And to an extent, you know, the selling of, you know, advent calendars or whatever the fuck it happens to be, where my cynicism kind of grips me a wee bit more. Um, when I watched the final documentary, I was, like, gobsmacked by how long this dude in the middle of it all managed to string everybody along. Like, he had just this thing about him that people just followed what he wanted for them. And that was kind of weird because they were all sitting going, no, like, we knew this was going to be a fucking disaster, but he told us to keep going, so we just kept going. Because he was, aye, they were on the payroll. Aye. Pretty um, much to, to a To the extent thing. where one of these guys, when, you know, water bottles didn't show up, um, had to go and, like, fucking suck the dick of, like, customs well, official. Nearly. Aye, well, offer to suck a dick of a customs official <laughs> for, you know, 500,000 bottles of water or whatever the fuck it was they'd ordered, or, you know, a, an iron container. And I'm like, I wonder what about that guy inspired that level of loyalty. And I don't think it was just the money. You know what I mean? Like, I don't think it, you need to win an absolute fuck ton of money to go and suck somebody off for, you know, a cargo container full of bottles of Evian. You know what I yeah. mean? Like there's a line there somewhere, surely. But like everybody else kind of went along with it as well. So when you look at the, you know, the people who bought tickets and they've paid, you know, three, four thousand dollars for tickets and travel and accommodation and blah, blah, blah. The thing's a fucking money pit. A couple of weeks beforehand, they get an email going, by the way, you won't be able to use any real money on the island, so deposit any money you want to use on these accounts, and we'll mm-hmm. then give you cards and tokens and all the rest of it when you get here. And some of them were loading up like pure. They were saying, if you want to do this type of thing, we would recommend five grand. If you want to do this type of thing, we would recommend ten grand. And, and what they were using that money for was to build the fit. So people are depositing this money on yeah. cards. And you're like, that's a confidence scam that is now across thousands and thousands of people that this dude is just on the middle of going, nah, that'll be cool. And everybody's like, ah, that'll be cool. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like, they're showing pictures of his websites up against it going, this is a building site. Like, whilst people were actively loading thousands upon thousands of dollars into this guy's company to finish this building site. Uh, you know yeah. what I mean? Like, the or whole thing been, was like, might have been a wild. nice argument to like, just tell them to fucking stay there. Like, and see, to be honest with you, <laughs> see style. all the people that bought in. I've, I've got absolutely no sympathy for them. And this is where my cynicism comes in, is that, like, see if you... I mean, there's the, the ginger-haired boy that was on it. I can't remember his name now. And he's going, I mean, I was going to meet models. And you're like, dude, you're a fucking grown-up. Like, what the fuck? Like, standing next to some models on a beach was enough for you to part with, like, $15,000. Like, you're a fucking nugget and you deserve this. You know what I mean? Like, and I, I don't... Like, and somebody's like, oh, I bought this 250-quid advent calendar because... Some fucking Kardashian said that I needed to like see if you then get like fucking ninety nine p worth of facial wipes with a fucking pound stretcher. Hell, mind you. You know I th- what I mean. I, <laughs> I think that yeah, you're bang on. Like I'd, I, I, I had very little sympathy for the people that parted. Way I mean, if you've got five grand to take to a fucking music festival, <laughs> then Aye. it's like if you've got that <laughs> amount of disposable. I mean, a lot of them were sort of like rich kids. Spending, spending their parents' money. So yep. in that sense, I I've got little sympathy. With the with the general thing, it was mere parents buying them for children, yeah, and then the children being disappointed. Definitely, 
Um, I think it's uh, there's there's a whole sort of thing happening just now online where we need to we need to realise that almost every single person that's put in front is online is a potential salesperson. Yeah. A potential salesman. Um, we don't quite realise that yet. Mm-hmm. We still don't really. We don't quite grasp. I mean, there's there's been a, we've spoke about this before as well. There's been loads of examples of people out there that are basically saying that I'm a coach. Mm-hmm. It's like I'm an online coach, and if you pay me five hundred quid, let's yeah. And it's and it's kind of like extortion mm-hmm. in a, to a certain extent. And Aye. I think that especially when you are a multi multi millionaire and potentially even approaching the sort of billionaire status that mm-hmm. these people at the Kardashians yeah. do. They should one hundred percent be held to account for Aye. that. In that respect, because it's mis-selling, mm. it is it is blatant mis-selling. The the fire example is is ba- that's basically just a pretty created the question, created the question around it. Mm-hmm. But um, I think we should be skeptical about absolutely everything that we see getting sold to us online. I think in social media at this point, you absolutely Work need it, to be. I mean, yeah. I think it's maybe one of these things that I don't know if the generation below us are getting taught it. You know what I mean? Like, critical thinking um we were taught to think critically at school i don't know that i see a lot of evidence yet when we talk about these types of things because you know i don't know what somebody needs today and some of these scenarios for you not to realize you know that they're selling something when you know the latest neymar comes out with the latest pair of football boots on like he's advertising you know what i mean like because people are gonna go fuck i want that you know what i mean like it's been all the way back to you know Michael Jackson doing Pepsi commercials and whatever else happens to be, you know, corporate spokesmanship. Well, it has been everywhere for a long time, so it has evolved, but it's, for me, it's still the same thing it's always been. And, and if somebody famous is sitting with something that they're talking to you about or wearing or making the centre of you know, attention and whatever they're doing at that point in time, I think it, it's something we, we also have a responsibility to be wise to. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like without sure. being, having to, you know, Put it up in the on lights. This is you know, this is an advert in case yeah. you're a fucking idiot. You know, like <laughs> which is okay. Aye, but that was going to be these nuts may contain nuts. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, I when you look at a packet of peanuts and it's but this product may contain nuts. You know that we're living in a world of people that can't think for themselves. That was going to be my sort of next sort of ask was how much personal responsibility do people need to take for this? Um, I know that. I, 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 there's a difference in this that f- when I think about that type of thing and how I'm sold to, I think about when I went and seen bands and mm-hmm. I'd be like, I want to play that guitar. But that's practical because yeah. I can hear that and I'm like, that sounds amazing and mm-hmm. he looks great with that guitar and that's why I want that. Yeah. Whereas you're not really getting... Well, that's where the lie occurs is when somebody says, this is the makeup that I'm using. Mm-hmm. It's like the... Um, the Cheryl Cole thing that happened years ago where she did a L'Oreal advert and it turned out that she had hair extensions in when she oh, did right. the L'Oreal advert and you're like, well, that's not your real hair. Aye, it's a bit cheeky. You're selling a product based swinging your hair going, Aye. look how great my hair looks. But you're selling your personality, not your hair. Exactly. I think in the, the world we live in, like responsibility is a big thing. Like, look at the fire example we were using. There were multiple websites up well in advance of that that had pictures, had documentation that it was going to be a complete disaster. Now, the people that put tens of thousands of dollars into it, and then were like pure, oh my God, this is, like, that information was there. People were actively telling you this was going to happen weeks, sometimes months in advance of what actually went down. 
So I you probably do in a certain respect have a level of responsibility to be like I've bought tickets to this, what's actually going on with it, especially when there's rumours. But again, we take it down to like an everyday level. Like when we're buying stuff now, the information's there. Like you look at your Amazon and your Google Shop and all the various other bits and bobs that you can go in, there's review sections, there's you know, you can look at star ratings, there's, you know, the in-depth reviews by everybody on almost everything. You know what I mean? Like so I think if you've got doubt or you, you believe that maybe somebody's been disingenuous in how they're representing themselves nowadays, you can use that responsibility to just look them up. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Find out what the actual script is and then make a decision based on that rather than just being like, this image on the surface of this was really appealing to me, so I'm in. You know yeah, what I mean? Like, that's exactly what it is. Because if you look at the guy's scam that he did after the fire festival, that eventually got him to jail, mm-hmm. he was selling tickets to events that don't sell tickets. Yeah. So like, he was selling tickets to the Oscars <laughs> and like <laughs> yeah. Elton John's fucking Chanel Oscars Oscar after. party and, and all this stuff. People were coming online and publicly out in this company and saying these events don't sell tickets. Yep people still vote them because people are so desperate, especially when it's that I think we had a a small conversation about this. People don't give a fuck about money anymore. Mm. It isn't about the money. Money's a facilitator for people. Yeah. It facilitates um, exactly what you were saying with a guy that spent three grand because he was like, I'm going to get to stand next to a model. Mm -hmm. We now live in a planet where you can pay to go a runway and go into a private jet <laughs> and take that. a selfie for your Instagram to make it like your, and then that doesn't even that doesn't even just count for the normal people that have got the fucking money to waste on that. See if you're going to do that, Dave for Bishop Briggs on his private jet. Exactly. See if you're going to do that. Do me a favour and just put it into my fucking paper. I'll spend that money way better than what you will. <laughs> you're fucking idiot. But it was like five hundred quid for a photo shoot. Then you've got guys like little little. Bow wow okay. that did the exact same thing. So he tweeted, uh, he put a picture on his Instagram saying, I think he had a gig in New York. I'm on my way in New York. And it was a okay. selfie of him in a private jet. But somebody took a picture of him on like a pure train, <laughs> a, a flight Aye. and coach flying a Aye, New York fairly. So it is <clears throat> all just image. Mm-hmm. And there's people out there that, and we've spoke about this as a, a running theme about the social media, the projected life. So these people don't really care about the pres- the money aspect Aye. or the, the security because mm-hmm. they've got no concept of having none of that because they've had their parents just throw money at them for yep. their full life and they've had this privilege. And now they're spending that privilege on trying to make out like they're famous. Aye. When the reality of the situation is, is that you're no famous. We're all socialites. We're all, you know, men about town now and all that kind of carry on. Like, I... I we don't want to be Dan Bolzerian. <laughs> we all want, that's Aye. that's like the goal is to become a, a like a, enough money so that you can just go and do what you want, and you're then a per, you're a personality. Yeah, and this is what's kind of it's kind of worrying to me that people are willing to part with extreme amounts of money. I mean, like if you want to, if somebody was to say it's about the experience, hmm. you're like, well. Going to Glastonbury is like an amazing experience. You can do that for five hundred pound, yeah, and you will have four days of like seeing great bands. If you really want to meet new people, yeah, do all these things that people try and make out that they do. No, they're online. actually doing online, I socialising, having a good time, partying. Maybe no way, Emily Ratajkowski, because yeah. she's 
not going to beat Glastonbury if she is. She's going to be away, far away for you. She doesn't want to come anywhere and near If she ever comes anywhere near me, she's going to end up taped up in a cupboard. <laughs> so she is. <laughs> but that, aye, this is the, the, the worrying aspect here, is, is that there are the legit paths to this feeling that you're trying to get to, but you're being sold a fucking fake version there <laughs> for an extreme amount of money. And your basis is... up mirage. Your you, basis you on the legitimacy is the cost. Aye, uh, that's why. That's probably why in these people's heads they're like, "This is legit because it's costing me three thousand. It must be real. It must be real, exactly, aye. because it's costing me so much money. It's like the more money it costs, the more worried I would. I would. I would. Aye, I would be doing. But that's maybe the difference between the privilege that these people have faced in life to this point versus the reality and hard. No, no hardship that we face, but the real life experiences that we've had is that if I was spending three, four grand on something, I'd be like, especially if it was like a weekend away, I'd be like, I want confirmations, I want certificates and APTA and, blah, and all the other, you know, things. I'd be like, let's make sure that this is money well spent. You know what I mean? Instead of just, exactly. Instead of just spent money. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, and I think I'd be wanting to make sure that I'm going to see somebody better than Blink-182 and Jaru for three grand. I'd be wanting to see the that, fucking Rolling Stones. Or, I was a bit gutted as well. I, I, you know, I don't necessarily dislike Blind 182. I've liked a number of their songs. I think they put one about a show live for what I hear. Um, I listened to a live album once and it sounded as though they were having fun. Um, but they were like, oh, we're pulling it because we can't put on the show that we want. And like, there was Blink 182 fans still gone. Mm-hmm. And Why you're not? like, so these guys booked up for you. You're now not going because you can't put on the show that you want. And this is where the, the you know the responsibility of the seller maybe does come in in this instance is that they should have said, by the way, see if you're a Blink-182 fan, we've seen this gaff and it's a fucking shambles. Like, don't go. Mm-hmm. Like, that's oh, what, that's what you should have said to your fans. You shouldn't have been like, by the way, we don't think we're going to be able to put on the show that we want here, so we're not going to go. Like, two days before it, it should have been like, guys, these are mud huts and wet tents. Like, don't go anywhere near it. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, I think that that definitely, and, and even uh, the man himself, Jaru himself, this guy, it, like you're saying, it was almost like the people running about and were just like, let's just see if he can actually pull this off. No. And just sort of sitting back and waiting for a disaster to happen. He should have been on, he's, a, he's get, I'm sure, a lot of followers on social media. He and people that were going to that festival, every single one of them would have been following him. He no. should have come out and went, I've arrived, don't come. Mm-hmm. Don't go on that plane. Yeah. Um, he seemed to like be quite a prominent figure at the start of it, and then as the blame started getting cast about, you don't really see very he much of him. Off. <laughs> you know That's I mean? really what happened, and now he's he's trying to play victim, right? And it's like no, because you you uh, you distance yourself from it when you started to realise that it wasn't going to go the way you mm-hmm. thought it was. Um, I thought I'd have thought that. Uh, well, I'd have thought there that when you were saying about these people were standing back, going, "This is going." We knew it was going to be a disaster. For what I know, and the very little that I know about big events, mm-hmm. they are kind of virgin on <laughs> disasters. I suppose I. And I think that the distinction between one that's about to go tits up and one that just gets out of the line mm-hmm. is probably very indistinguishable when it goes into the last sort of four or five yeah. days. I mean, we had that example happen here in Bella Houston mm. with Green Day, where it, 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 they were saying that it was the rain and then it turned out that they hadn't even built the stage and there was health and safety certificates that weren't yeah. right and X, Y and Z and I think that the legit festivals are verging on disaster a Aye. lot of the time and they just pull them off. Mm. Well, quite possibly. I mean, it's uh, 
all very well maybe having issues with a stage, but I mean these these guys were selling condos and villas that didn't exist. You know what I mean? Like they were like pure one a pure beach mansion dude. And there was like I how much? Like two hundred and fifty grand and you're like Here's a disaster tent that's wet inside. You know what I mean? Like, so uh, that, uh, there's probably like a, a, you know a spectrum in play there in that regard. You know what I mean? Like, Could you imagine the feeling that the people got when the the guy just went, just go to any tent and just and they all just ran, just like, running. I mean, but that guy that won the raffle, hopefully, was just stunning back, pushing himself off, and just like this is fucking excellent, but. Well, I seen it. I think I would have probably all been petrified. Like, Aye, no lights, pitch did. black, man. You would need to get a bit hairy, didn't it? Fucking arming yourself. Sleeping in shifts and all the rest of it. <laughs> <laughs> but, like you're saying, I mean, and it might just be our pers- perception here is, is I've got no fucking sympathy for them. I don't. I had very little sympathy, but what I did find um, very intriguing, and again, we're talking earlier, we need to learn for stuff. You need to learn for things like that. You need to Why? look at it and go, what the fuck happened? How did how did somebody? I mean, see if you do a simple. I mean, they, they were saying that they were going to take what thirty thousand people. They ended up with three hundred. Mm-hmm. They had they ended up with a seven four seven for people. Yeah. like one point. I think it was like thirty thousand over the course of the, the weekend. Something like that. I think see if you had like ten thousand a day. Right. Or three days. Right. See if you actually look at the size of the island. Mm-hmm. You couldn't get ten thousand. They were saying on it. tops like two or three was the most you could get on it. So if you're talking about like due diligence or warnings. If you even, I mean, when I book a holiday, one of the first things I do is I go on Google Maps and go, <laughs> like, what's near it? <laughs> what, what's there? Is, as, is it a building site? What, or not even, I, not even just before that, just just go and have a wee look and go what's there and then look at Street View and be like, mm-hmm. oh, this place is cool. It looks yep. like we're going to be able to do this. If you had done that, you'd have looked at it and went, how the fuck is 10,000 people going to fit on that? <laughs> it was basically a runway and some trees. Yep. In a one building, yeah, and they were expecting to run a fucking. I think it's a bit. It's on. funny in its audacity. So it's like, it's, I love a good con man story. So they like, um, especially in this day and age. Aye, the amount of information I think you can get away with fucking anything. Aye, and it's it's that thing is like, I also quite like that. Although the guy was a total scumbag, that kind of basically targeted other scumbags. It was fair game for me. So it, it wasn't was pensioners. No, he wasn't trying no. to get pensioners to go to the Caribbean. No, was blank one he'd have been like a pure my new thing's gunging him. Like, he'll gunge him. But no. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Your new thing's gunging him. It's just, it's just, I don't know why. I started chatting with somebody in work and it just came out. And it was like somebody was getting on my nails and I was just fucking gunge him. And I'm like, no, that's my style so get that guy when he's stealing pensioners' money and fucking gunge him. Right. That's us at like tours. Oof. So I think my, my legs are getting sore. I yeah. really, really need to pee. Aye, so we'll just we'll just break there, man. I actually really enjoyed just the twos, man. Yeah. Like episode 20, so it's been quite cool. We've got a couple of like decent things in, in the horizon mm-hmm. for the podcast and hopefully we can continue with the shorts thing. Yeah. Keep it going, man. Because I, I said, I thought it was hilarious. It was like your, your tone was sarcastic and as when we listened to it i was just like Aye, it's brilliant so uh, well thanks very much man i'm going to keep it going it's the one of the things i've been my sort of plan for the new year we've talked about in the various sort of sponsorships is that i wanted to get back into some sort of writing and we was already in about the podcast side of things the shorts felt like a good kind of marriage of the two mm-hmm. you know what i mean so there's definitely merit in the pipeline awesome man well cool just end it there man all right cheers dude.